Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the children's pastor here at Glad Tidings Church, and this is my beautiful daughter, Abby, and she's going to be here to assist me for the morning service. Um, so usually I'm headed downstairs about now, and this is how we start kids' church every single week. If you could stand to your feet for me. And the kids know that this is what I'm going to ask of them. I recently heard a preacher, and this is what he said. He said, I will never send you home empty unless you come full of yourselves. And what that means is it doesn't mean that you're coming full of arrogance, but there's so much demands on every one of our lives as we're here today. And we used to sing this song that said, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. But the, the world is vying for that cup and filling it up. So we're going to put our palms up if you feel comfortable, and we're going to pray and give this service to God. <sighs> Father, I just offer myself up to you as a living sacrifice right now. God, I ask that you'd use this time, that you'd speak to the people that are here. And God, we bring our cups to you today, all of our burdens and all the things that are heavy. And God, may we not leave empty. May you fill our cups, God. And may we learn more about you in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So typical kids church style, and sorry this is not going to be a kids church lesson, but I come with props, and uh, that's kind of how I teach, and that's kind of how I've taught for the last 20 years, and so it's kind of hard to change me now, and so it's just going to be how it is. But um, God in February, and Pastor Todd can tell you this, in February of this year, um, he actually woke me up through the night and started to birth this message. And the words that rang through my head was, it's time to sound the alarm. It's time to sound the alarm. We have an um, amazing group of moms that come on Wednesday mornings. I have learned so much from them at our play group. And one of the things I've learned is, I don't know how I ever raised my kids and they lived, because these girls know so much. There's so much information out there. And yet, there's more information that God wants to put out for all of us today he wants to open our eyes, and he wants to change our vision. And so we're actually going to go from Genesis to Revelations, and uh, that's a little bit of a task. I'm not going to do every single story, but I understand that Pastor Todd has been doing the Ten Commandments, and so we're going to work our way up to the base of the mountain where they're going to be looking up for the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to start in the book of Genesis, and we know one of the things I say downstairs to the kids all the time is, I, my, one of my first questions is Genesis 1-1. And they'll put their hands up to say the answer in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I love to get to camp and read a book. Love it. In fact, tomorrow I will be reading a book. I can't wait for it. But I love the fact that God wastes no time. It's like in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And he just lays it out in the first chapter. I did it all. And he lays it out. And the nice part about God is he didn't put us as robots in the garden. He gave us something called free will, which means we get to choose. And so he says to Adam and Eve, you can have everything in the garden, but just don't eat from this one tree. Abby, I'm going to have you read my first verse. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree in the garden that is in the middle, and you must not touch it or you will die. 
You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. So we start off right in Genesis. God lays it out. He made it all. And then he shows us we have an enemy to our soul right in the beginning. And you see, they were not supposed to eat from the one tree. And you know, Satan's tricks have not changed. He's still about the business of saying, did God really say that? Did he really say that? There's times that God has birthed something in our hearts and you sat in a service and God has said something to you and then, you know, you sit here now and you think, did God really say that? You know, is that really what he said? Or there's scriptures in the New Testament that talk about healing and it's ours to claim. Is that really for now? So he's still up to the same tricks. And so we learn in Genesis when they chose their way over God's way, when we choose to be disobedient to God, there will be a loss of freedom And there will be a loss of vision, which means the more that you continue on in that sin that God has told you not to do, the more you're not going to be able to see what God has for you. You are going to become blind to it. And the result to them was they were put out of the garden. And so they no longer had the communion with God. They no longer could fellowship with him. They had to work the land. And so This giant rescue plan from God takes place. From the moment that happened, he was putting in place a plan so that he could bring us into that place of communion with him again. And so we get through the Garden of Eden. They have Cain and Abel. It's Cain kills Abel. And then God is looking for a man. He's looking. God is always looking for someone to stand in the gap. And it's he's looking for someone and he sees Noah. And Noah is a righteous man. And you need to know that God will never, ever send judgment upon his people without first sending a prophet to warn them. So Noah warned them. He told them what was going to happen. And they laughed and they made fun of him. And then the ark door shut. And God started again. And you think because he found Noah, you think because he found that one righteous man, that things would be going good from there. They started to go south again. And before you knew it, the people were trying to build a tower up to the sky. And then God scatters them, and they're speaking different languages. Once again, God is looking. He's looking for somebody that will answer his call, somebody that will be the next person. And it says God finds Abraham. And so one of the things you're going to learn with this, Abraham's old. And finds Abraham, and he gives, he gives him these promises and says, your descendants are going to be as many as the sands of the sea. And through his line is going to come the Messiah. And so Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Jacob, his na- very name meant deceiver. It says when he came out, there were twins, and he was hanging on to his brother's foot. And he cheats him out of his inheritance. He cheats him out of his blessing because he's going for all of the blessings that comes from the world. But there's a change. There's about to be a shift in his vision. And that shift is going to be a night that he wrestles God for the blessing. No longer looking for that earthly blessing. He wrestles God for the blessing. And when he wrestles God for that blessing, it says that his name is now changed by God. His name is now changed to Israel, and that's where we get Israel from. Jacob has 12 sons, which are the 12 tribes of Israel, and 
he's a little bit messed up because he loves one son more than the rest. And never do this. <laughs> it's a bad, bad idea. Most of us know the, the story of the coat of many colors, and he gives the one son the coat and treats him more special, and, and his brothers get mad. They throw him into this pit. They sell him off into slavery. You need to understand that there are times that God will take an Abraham and he'll outright use him, but there's times that he's working us out in us. And I believe that with Joseph. Joseph went to his brothers, shared all his dreams. And, you know, maybe he wasn't supposed to do that. Maybe he was supposed to hold that in. But God was working it out in him. So nothing was wasted when he was thrown in the pit, when he was thrown in uh, jail. Nothing was wasted. God was working on Joseph. And then it says that he interprets a dream for the, for the Pharaoh, and he ends up being put in second of command. God is still working this plan out to bring his people to him. And so his Jacob and his family end up being reunited with Joseph in Egypt. And this is how we got to Egypt. We're now in Egypt, and it says that 400 years goes by. 400 years. And in those 400 years, they became stronger and stronger and stronger. And because they became so strong, the Pharaoh became concerned. And his current concern was they're going to rise up and they're going to take over so we have, to, we have to oppress them. We're going to make them slaves. And so they make them slaves, and they work them hard. But then it gets worse because they make, the Pharaoh makes this edict that says that the firstborn, not the firstborn, <laughs> that the sons, all the baby boys, would be thrown into the river. But God has an answer to this. God will never, there's going to be a judgment upon Pharaoh and his people for what he's doing right here. And so... They have to throw them all in the river. But there was one mother. God was looking. And there's somebody that stood out to do the different thing when everyone was going the other way. And so Jochebed decides that she is going to put Moses in that basket. And Moses is going to go down the river. And God had a plan because God was going to use Moses to deliver the people. And so it says that Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And she takes him into the palace. I think Moses' mom nurses him. But for the first 40 years of his life, he's going to be in the palace, not wasted. God was preparing Moses for where he was going to go. When he's 40 years of age, then Moses ends up seeing an Egyptian treating one of his people poorly, and he, he ends up killing him. Now he flees to the desert. Now everything he would have known, he would have known nothing about the desert. So he's now in a new training ground. It says when he's 80 years of age, 80 years of age, um, he is, now you guess where he is? He's at Mount Sinai. And remember this, because he's going to come back to Mount Sinai. So he's 80 years of age. He sees a burning bush. He has this encounter with God. And God tells him he wants him to go back to Egypt, the very place they want to kill him, and to ask to have his people set free. Most of us know the stories of the plagues that came. And then the final plague, which is the answer to what he was doing with throwing all the babies in the river. The final plague upon Egypt is their firstborn sons. The angel of death comes and repays. We find our way 
then they come out. Um, God brings them and he parts the Red Sea for them. And they are victoriously shouting. They have just seen phenomenal miracles as God set them free and they never would thought they'd be set free. But here's a couple principles that you need to know. That because they were only living in slavery, because they only had ever lived there, that's all they knew. They saw anyone that was over top of them as a harsh taskmaster. The other thing they did was they said that, they didn't say it, but they lived for today. See, if I just get my food, I get my water, I'm fine. I'm just going to make it through today. I'm just going to make it through today. So their first response is they get into the desert, and it doesn't take them very long that all of a sudden they're starting to cry and complain. And they're coming against Moses and they're saying, why did you bring us to the desert to die? See, they saw God as the taskmaster. Even though he had done all of these miracles, why did you bring us here to die? You know, I believe had they have gone to Moses and said, could you ask the God who parted the waters? Could you ask the God who did all those miracles? We're just, we're hungry, we're thirsty. I believe God would have just poured it out so abundantly. A few years ago, God said this to me. I was crying out in prayer for something. And he said this to me, and he said, Sherry, why are you coming to me like a beggar at the gates when I've called you to boldly come into my throne room? And see, this is what the mentality was with them. I I believe that God responds differently to our prayers of faith than our prayers of fear. When we come with all the reasons in our head that we think God can't move, but when we come to God saying, you are the God who did this, you are the God who did that, there's a different result. And so we work our way to the base of the mountain, which is Mount Sinai, which was the place he was called with the burning bush, so he's coming back to a familiar place. And Abby's going to read our first scripture. But what you need to hear in the first scripture is, it says, Then Moses went up the mountain. Then God called to him from the mountain. You see, I believe that Moses knew the trail up that mountain. He'd been there. I don't know how many times he'd been there, but he'd been there. But he went with an expectation that he was going to meet with God. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So right off the bat... After they've whined and complained about the water and God provided them the water, God provided them manna, he makes them this promise. And he says, if you obey, if you obey my commands, you're going to be my treasured, you're going to be my treasured people amongst the nations. But his only thing he was asking is if you obey my commands. Next verse. Exodus chapter 19, verses 7 to 9. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, 
I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. So God, he's hand feeding them. He said, you, you come and I'm going to speak to you in the, fr- in the cloud in front of the people. So they're going to hear and they're going to know that I'm speaking to you. You're my chosen one. Next verse. Exodus chapter 20, verses 22 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver and gods of gold. So God lays it out. He knows what they're going to do next. But he lays it out, I'm telling you not to do this. Do not make idols. Don't make them of silver. Don't make them of gold. And you know, they've already gone up. Moses has already gone up the mountain once and he's come down. So they know that he can survive going up this mountain. But they become fearful because it's all about today. Whatever's happening in today, if I can just make it through today, and that was yesterday. And so they get angry and they want to kill Aaron and they say, build us this idol. And, and they, they have this idol, the golden calf. And what you need to know there is a, a result from this. You see, when we live only in the here and now, which, which is so easy to do, I've so been there thinking if I can just make it through today, this is such a busy week, just today. And young moms, like all the stuff that you have on your plate, I'm sure you're thinking if I could just sleep tonight. But there will be a consequence for just living in today. And the consequence for them was Moses never got to go to the promised land. That whole generation did not get to go to the promised land. And so if we live in the here and now, there will be a consequence in the future, not only for you, but for your family as well. And so we know that Moses doesn't enter the promised land. We know that the children of Israel do, and they take one-third of the land that God has for them. They never claim everything that God has. And then it says, the Old Testament goes on and on. God continues to send them a prophet. And he continues to warn them. And he says, follow me. Get rid of your false idols. If you do this, you will be my treasured people. And they continued not to listen. And so they ended up going off into captivity. And it kind of goes on and on through the Old Testament. But God was still bringing his plan in place. He still had this plan to unite his people so that we could come into his presence again and we could have that communion. We're going to jump all the way to Revelations, Abby. Revelations chapter 22, verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So we know the interesting part is Moses actually wrote the first five books of the Bible, and this is going to be John who wrote the last book of the Bible. He's saying, I'm the beginning and the end. See, when Jesus Christ came for us, he came so that we could have the communion again. And he lays it out and says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Second John, verse 8. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. The fact that it says, watch out, God is laying it out and says, watch out, so that you do not lose what he's given you, so that you will be fully rewarded. And you know what that means? 
That means there's a scenario where there's a partial reward and there's a scenario where there's no reward. Next verse. Revelations chapter 3 verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Now this is probably going to be a day camp crown this summer for our medieval times. But I didn't want to put a paper crown up here. You see, everything that we do for the Lord is going to matter. When we come to the end, there's something called a believer's judgment. So if you know Jesus, you will not be judged on your sins, but we will be judged according to what God has called us to do. There's a John Bevere quote that says, and I love it, it says that what we believe about the cross will determine where we spend eternity. So if you believe in Jesus Christ and you've asked him to come into your life and you believe he's the one and only true God and that you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, that determines where you spend eternity. But how we live here is going to determine how you're going to spend eternity. My mother has made this joke at our house and she's going to kill me for saying anything. (laughs) But she said, there's going to be a lot of naked people in heaven. You see, I look at my whole chest, if you can see all of this. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying your kids should never play sports. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is stuff from my household, stuff that has amazing memories. Football with my boys, and rowing, and flag football, and all of the stuff. And it's okay to live in the here and now, and it's okay to have fun as a family. But this should never weigh the balance in your, your relationship with God and the things that you are doing for God. And the moment you find your life is, your cup is so full of this, be careful so that no one will steal your crown. Abby, next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You know, Pastor Todd will attest to this. (laughs) This is a hard message for me to give today um, because I'm like, God, I don't want to give this message on Mother's Day. But here's what I will tell you. I will be judged on whether I gave this message today or not. And I have to stand before my maker someday. And I don't want young families or grandparents or any of you sitting here to stand at that believer's judgment and find out, nobody told me that. Nobody told me there were crowns in heaven. There are crowns in heaven. And how we do what the things that God has called us here to are so important. You know, we're going to go back to the base of the mountain. And Josh, I'm going to get you ready with my song there in a second. I'll tell you when. But you know, you need to know Don't be overwhelmed by this. Don't be overwhelmed. I'm seeing more and more in day camp. I see this with moms. I see it with kids just really struggling. And they got fear and they got all this stuff. Abby's t-shirt, I don't know if you can see her t-shirt. This was our theme last year in day camp. And it says, designed to be different. That when the rest of the world are shaking and they're fearful 
and, and they're crumbling with the jobs, and they're crumbling with the sickness, and they're crumbling with whatever is in their life. We have access to the Almighty God. There's one of my favorite verses is, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. We're going to think of that mountain today. We started off the service talking about this cup that we are lifting up to God because God desires to fill your cup today. I believe there's people that are sitting here and, and maybe you, you're thinking, I don't even know if I'm saved. Am I? There's people that are sitting here and you're thinking, if she would just stop talking, I can go home. I don't want to hear this. It doesn't matter if you don't want to hear it. It's, it's the truth. It's the truth. And so we're going to start our song. And I want you to picture in your hearts. Close your eyes. Have everybody close your eyes. And I want you to picture going up the base of the mountain. What is it you need from Jesus today? What do you need? Because that power that was there with Moses is there with you today. Take this moment and just close yourself in. There's stuff that can wait that is gripping you right now. If it's your marriage, guess what? You can go up that mountain and God will help you. If it's healing, God wants to wrap you up. This is your moment with God.
Thank you, Pastor Sherry. <clears throat> Pastor Sherry asked me to close today. Um, I've been waiting and just listening to what she had to say, and this is what she's saying to us. And I think the Spirit is saying to us is this. There's such a thing as being too much in this world. And um, I don't know if I should say this, so put your seatbelt on, okay? And don't send me any emails. Um, I know this never happens in Glad Tidings, but in another church I was in, um, there were a number of families um, that were involved, had their kids involved to absolute extremes between travel dance and travel gymnastics and travel volleyball and travel hockey and travel baseball and travel soccer and travel, travel, travel. And uh, I remember um, one parent coming to me and saying, I I don't understand. My kids don't want anything to do with church. And I felt like saying, well, the truth is that you taught them that church was something you did only when there was nothing else going on. Brothers and sisters, there is such a thing as being too much in this world. And the text that really bounced out to me as that song was playing actually was in Luke chapter 21. It says this, and Jesus is speaking, of course, and he says this, now, When these things begin to take place, he's talking about the end times that Pastor Sherry talked about. Straighten up, straighten up. Raise your heads. In other words, look up because your redemption is drawing near. And um, I think Pastor Sherry has said it best. Let me pray for you and then, uh, Father, we thank you for your love for us that is so incredibly generous and we are blown away by Jesus and we are amazed at the work of the spirit that is so vibrant and alive in us and even in this room this morning and even in our hearts I believe the Holy Spirit is quickening us reminding us that there is an end game but what happens here will affect the end game And so I pray that you would teach us uh, to learn the tension, the balance between what it means to be in this world and to be rooted in this world and to enjoy this life in this world without being too much in this world. Holy Spirit, forgive us when we have been too much in this world and help us when we haven't been too much enough in this world. And help us to know the difference and to find attention. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. In Christ's name, amen.